Welcome back, everyone, to episode 16 of the Zero Analytics Podcast. In this episode, we visit Harrisburg, North Carolina, and chat with a fellow native Marylander. Growing up in Hagerstown, Maryland, he followed in his father's footsteps into the racing world, where he grew up driving micros, as well as go-karts built by his father. After moving near Charlotte, North Carolina with his family in his late teens, he got hired at 17 by Ravenham as a tire specialist. The next 15 or so years have been spent pursuing a goal to become a NASCAR crew chief. Off the road now, and with karting in his blood, we explore the rebirth of hammer karts. Entering back into the karting world with a fresh set of eyes, we find Alex leading the way in testing alternatives to traditional methods in the sport through both tires and the winged outlaw karts gaining popularity across the country. We discuss life as a father, a racer, and now a business owner. For a while now, a lot of people on the internet have been complaining about various things. It seems like we all, you know, see the guy or hear the guy or the girl that had the answer. I think there's a growing group of people that realize that, you know, maybe we can improve things, but it's not going to be by complaining and pointing fingers. For some of us, we feel that having a conversation for everyone to hear and have thoughts on and maybe even discuss later on may be the best way to at least get the ball rolling. So even though um, myself and many people don't know much about burst tires or anything like that, I would like to remind you of something before you listen to this. It's a quote by Aristotle. It is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. And all that means is just listen, have a thought, like just think about racing in general. Sometimes we get caught up in tunnel vision and we only kind of see like what's straight ahead of us without the peripheral vision to maybe see what's possible. And I certainly don't mean that uh, the answer is in this podcast. But I do hope that maybe through conversations, we can all together come up with an answer to move forward. So ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, my friend, Mr. Alex Cuttingham. Hey, one more thing before we get started, guys. Please share. Uh, the biggest thing you can do to help the podcast is tell someone, tell a friend, tell your buggy pusher, your tire washer, your motor builder, whoever. Just tell somebody if you like it. And don't forget to subscribe on either Apple, Spotify, Pocket Cast, wherever you find podcasts, you can subscribe. Thank you so much for your time. All right, so today on the podcast, we have Alex Cunningham of Al- or of Hammer Carts. Uh, Alex, thanks for making the time for us tonight. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. I'm uh, happy to be a part of it. Yeah, definitely. And um, I've kind of been checking you out. It seems like um, whenever there's um, a post by an important Burris person, you seem to be tagged in it. And um, so I, start, <laughs> I kind of started digging into it and... Um, and I reached out to you, and uh, little did I know that we were actually um, 
growing up right across the Chesapeake Bay from each other. You were over in Hagerstown, Maryland, and I was over more uh, like the Delmar, Maryland area. So uh, that was kind of a, a cool little revelation when I reached out to you. And are you from uh, from Hagerstown? And that's is that where you're kind of born and raised over there? Yeah, so I was uh, born and raised in uh, Hagerstown. And then about um, when I turned to eight, we moved to a small town of Hancock, Maryland, which is uh, not far from uh, Coview Speedway. And that's when we kind of started racing uh, go-karts before we were doing quarter midgets. But, um, and then when I turned about 16, I think, uh, my mom got a job offer in Charlotte. Um, and me and my dad kind of always wanted to go down there anyway to uh, check out a career in NASCAR. Um, so we kind of did that and made the move down this way. And I've been down here ever since. Good to you. And just like with everyone on the podcast, I kind of uh, I get on Facebook and I kind of stalk through your pictures and stuff. And saw a couple of pictures um, that kind of resembles a lot of people that come on here where there's a little kid and you're next to a guy and they're next to a race car. Is that um, was that your dad uh, in the picture? Yeah. So my dad, when I first realized what racing was, my dad was racing a dirt um street stock sort of car at Hagerstown Speedway. And then I can remember um, when I was real young, before I even started racing, my dad, he was pretty good. I mean, he like, I got to hand it to him. He's probably the best I've ever seen drive a car, but we didn't really have the money and everything. And he, he did everything he could to go to uh, race Jennerstown Speedway. And uh, he, I remember him going up there and I remember several nights of him racing at Jennerstown in a late model and uh, him actually winning a race. And I remember the times when he tore a car slap in half and had to go to the hospital and just all that. And just to see him put all the time and effort into it was pretty awesome. And, you know, he'll always be, you know, a hero in my eyes watching him do that. And then, you know, when we decided that I was going to start racing uh, at five years old and six, um, right before I turned six or whatever, he was like, man, you know, I can build one of these quarter midgets. So he just started building them and he's like, I'm going to name them hammer. And he started, you know, hammer carts right there when I was six years old. So it was pretty cool. That's awesome, man. And so, and how old are you? If you don't mind me asking, (laughs) I am 30 years old now. 30 years. Okay. So you, I'm hoping you're going to get this reference when I talk about it. So my wife is German. Okay. So to her, if she hears the word Oktoberfest, like it means one thing for me growing up, I'm a little bit older than you. I'm I'm 38, but uh, in the kind of the same way, like we used to help actually Elwood Driscoll. I used to keep his car at her house, a street stock that raced at Delaware International Speedway. Yep. But back in the day, Oktoberfest, what does that mean to you? All right. what is, when you hear that, yeah, what does that mean? That is the uh, Oktoberfest at Hagerstown Speedway when they would bring the big blocks, the small blocks, the late models, the sprint cars, and they'd run them all at Hagerstown. Yeah, man. And that, uh, <clears throat> that was one of the first things when you said Hagerstown. It just kind of jumps in my mind. Um, you know, I was, I was younger, too, and I didn't get to go a whole lot. But um, 
I know they haven't done that, and you haven't had Oktoberfest in quite a few years. But um, but it's it was cool to kind of hear that you were from there. So, uh, so that's cool. And when you, what is if we get back to kind of uh, not necessarily like how you got there, but just what is your current involvement, both uh, as far as work goes, and um, you know, as far as the hammer carts go, like how is that? You do that at night? You do that? Um, full-time like uh just tell me a little bit about just like your current involvement um both in your racing and also um like for your work in general so um currently uh i am i'm working at junior motorsports um i tend to help out a lot in the suspension department um i'm also setting up cars uh for some of the teams whenever they need the help um primarily i'm involved heavily in the uh the splitters that are on the car and the underneath the radiator pans and stuff like that i I handle a lot of that um but i also go to like anytime we uh go to like a chassis test rig um up in salisbury stuff like that i'll go with it um anytime we go to the wind tunnel i'm going um sometimes they got me welding stuff sometimes they got me you know doing anything um, I guess with my background in NASCAR and have been doing it for 13 years now, um, I tend to know pretty much all the ins and outs of one of the cars that go to the racetrack. And, um, you know, that kind of got me to where I'm at now to where I don't have to travel because I spent so many years traveling. Um, and then I tend to come home after work and usually my wife will make me dinner and bring it out in the shop. And I'm usually out here in the shop. Um, you know, some nights we're out here till midnight, <clears throat> whether we're cutting tires or getting a cart built or anything, you know, and, uh, we try to help out our customers as much as possible. And, you know, I don't get to race as much anymore. And that's kind of why I went the Burris route because I don't have to really keep up with a cycle and I don't have to make sure I'm wiping tires at night and stuff like that. So, it kind of works out. Yeah, we might have to drive a little bit further to go race sometimes, but you know, it's it's what we do and it's what we enjoy. So, yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. And uh, as far as, um, could you just maybe take me through like a typical day? Like, let's just say you you get off of work at Junior Motorsports and you come home. Like, what are you generally doing in the shop? Are you are you generally building? building carts do you generally have certain days that you work on tires or carts how do you i mean how does that generally like when you look at your week ahead you're a couple weeks ahead how do you generally kind of put that together and plan it out so it honestly varies um depends on like a lot of things that are going on um but usually when i leave work i'm either stopping at trj and picking up parts that I either need to send out or something for my cart or a customer's cart. Um, or, you know, I'll get orders last minute on, Hey, I need a set of bursts or, Hey, I need a set of maxes and I want you to cut them this much off and this cut. And, you know, I want you to roll them or whatever, you know, we kind of got a calendar. So we, you know, we do that, but, you know, I either stop there or sometimes I, you know, a guy in Georgia, he, uh, his kid, tore up a nerf bar at the last race. So um, a lot of things on my chassis is CNC bent. So uh, the CNC bender is not far from our shop. So 
I tend to sometimes stop there on the way home. And then when I get home, you know, we got uh, uh, agendas and um, got things that we got to get done by a certain time. So whatever it is, we get it done and try to get it done in a timely manner. And as far as hammer carts go, and, and as we get along this conversation, um, I, I know that you listened to a couple, but for me, for people that are not uh, used to listening, I generally try not to do too much uh, investigating. I just like to kind of be curious, you know, curious as the uh, conversation goes on. So, um, so some of the stuff, man, like it just, I, it may not make sense to some people, but um, you know, I just want people to understand that it's it's more than just you know you and maybe one other person or however it works out. But um, like generally when you're there, how, like, is there anyone else involved in hammer carts? And also is there anyone like when you go to the races that generally travels with you? Um, do you usually looking for random people to come help buggy push or how does do you usually have your set team? How does that generally work? Um, you know, cause it does take a, a big effort, not only for you, um, you know, you're heavily involved in it, but just for people to come help and, and to really maintain the cart and, and keep you up front and things rolling. Right. So primarily the number one is obviously my wife, Carrie. Um, you know, anytime I need tires wiped or rolled or, um, you know, any, anything in the shop, she's, she's just as good as I am. I mean, other than welding and actually cutting tires, she can pretty much do anything on the cart. Um, so I, I owe a lot to her. She always goes to all the races. She's always helping. She's always buggy pushing. She's always cleaning tires. Um, but as far as extra help coming to the racetrack, man, it's hard. It's, you know, I got a few guys like uh, I got a guy, Dennis O'Connor and Matt Craven and Josh Pangle and um, a few others. It's it's they'll they are more than willing to help and go when they can, but they got lives too. You know what I mean? So it's, it's hard mm-hmm. to, we don't have a, a person that is committed to hammer carts. And uh, I wish there was, you know, I wish I had a guy that, you know, I could buy his way in, buy his food, make sure, Oh, if he wants beer, I'll keep the cooler stock with beer, whatever he wants, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and before when about a year ago, when I was really ramping hammer carts hard and, you know, my dad would come over here and, uh, he moved down to the beach, so he's not around as much anymore. But I mean, there'd be times he would call me on my lunch break and be like, Hey, what do you got going on in the shop? And I'm like, man, I really need to get this chassis jigged up. Um, you know, I haven't notched the tubes yet, but I really need to get that thing done so I can weld it. And, you know, I'll come home at five o'clock drain from work and well, I'm gonna have to go notch these tubes and get re- get it ready. Cause I got to weld this go-kart tomorrow. And, you know, I'll walk in the shop and there'll be a note here saying, Hey, got this go-kart jigged up and for you and you know because he obviously taught me everything i know and uh he's been he's been a big help in getting me going so that's good man and and kind of the reason i was asking is uh, I, I for me personally uh, i you know i raced for 15 years and then when i really learned tires i I mean, I just bought a car, so I literally quit my job, turned my car back in, and went to travel the nationals um, for free just to learn. And kind of what I'm getting at is there's there's always places where you know people people think like they need to be paid for everything, and I think that sometimes they get it mixed up. Like the payment doesn't have to be monetary. I mean, I feel like if there is um you know if there's a kid listening around your area, and you know I think a lot of people don't realize that everyone's always looking for good help and loyal help and 
you know, just approaching someone like you and saying, hey, man, can I push the buggy? Can I wash the tires? Can I come over and help do whatever? I think that if more people did that, um, it would really accelerate kind of like their learning curve, rather it be with welding or tires or, or whatever. And um, that, that's kind of why I was kind of alluding, just kind of, you know, seeing, seeing your situation and, um, and stuff like yeah. that. And we actually, you know, I had a guy, he was an engineer at Penske. Um, and he actually does a lot of the parts designing up at Penske Racing. And uh, his name is Tony Barkman. And, man, he would go, it don't matter what time I needed help or when it was or whatever. He would drive over to drop of a hat. And I can remember he would be like, hey, I'll come over here and work as long as Carrie's cooking me dinner. Like, if I'm getting a <laughs> home-cooked meal, I will come over no matter what. And, you know, I even had it to where... When he would go, I would say, hey, I'm going to pay your way in. I'll buy all your food, all your drinks, and you're going to get 20% of the winnings. And there was sometimes he would leave with two or 300 bucks in his pocket. And, you know, and it all paid off. And I, I tried to always make sure I took my guys to Waffle House when we was done, whether we won or lost. But even though I'd tell them, we ain't going to go to Waffle House if we don't win. But, you so, know, I hmm. still ended up taking care of them, making sure we, you know, went and did that so it was uh it was good but now he he actually he up and left and he's uh working on carrie madsen's sprint car and he's actually torn around with the world of outlaws so it's like dang i lost him so <laughs> since then we've been kind of you know asking buddies or guys that used to race or people that i worked with in nascar and like i said you know we try to get somebody every time we go to the racetrack and sometimes we don't it's just me and carrie and we'll have you know six go-karts that we got to do tires for that event and you know we're strung out and tired by the end of it but we do our best to keep notes and try to get better and get faster and figure out what we need to do cool man and i i'm sure that uh you know you've heard stories just like i have but it's probably a whole lot easier when uh both yourself and your uh, significant other are kind of pulling in the same direction you know it's yeah. uh, a lot of a lot of good um you know, even just around here, a lot of kids that were really good racers that it just, um, you know, the, the fight between the mom and the dad and the money and stuff like that, man, it was uh, a lot of times it just never ended well. And, uh, and having, you know, having your partner that um, not only is OK with it, but, I, you know, looking through your pictures, um, you know, other than her hand placement on the steering wheel and a couple of those like weighing out. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just messing, man. But, uh, yeah, I mean, her wife and tires, I mean, just being involved and wanting to do that. Um, and that's pretty cool. And how about like your little girls, do they, uh, do they go to the track generally? Do they, um, what do they generally occupy their time with if they do go to the track? So if they do go to the track, they are the ones, they're the kids that are playing in the dirt or riding their bikes and all that. But then when daddy comes back from the racetrack with his go-kart, they know to be waiting by the wash tub because they want to be over there helping. And you know, I think that all plays into like with Carrie, they see her doing it and they're like, oh, we want to do it, you know. And the good thing about Carrie is she grew up racing. I mean, she grew up racing go-karts. Um, her mom and dad own a kart track in Georgia, Dogwood Speedway. So she's been around her the whole life. She knows what it takes and she knows all the time and everything. And that's like this weekend, you know, we had the girls here at the house and we had some stuff we had to get done this weekend instead of going out. And 
we made the best of it and actually the girls were in here helping me carry tires in and out of the shop and they they enjoy being a part of it too <laughs> do you think that either one of them uh, will get into racing <laughs> so they're twins they're five um Man, I'm trying. I want them to real bad. I want to get them in one of them wing outlaw cards. Uh, the one, Ada Lee, she is like, nope, don't want nothing to do with it. I will more than willing be happy to help work on it, but I am not driving it. And then the other one, Hadley, she's like, yep, I'm going to race a go-kart. I'm going to race a go-kart. But when it comes down to me bolting her in the seat and harnessing her in, she freaks out. So I think it's they're young still, and I don't want to rush them. I don't want to pressure them. I don't want them to feel like, hey, you have to do this because this is what daddy does. But would it be fun for one of them to do it? Yeah, of course. I'd love it. Mm-hmm. That's funny. <clears throat> um, so uh, I just kind of want to get this question out of the way. So earlier today, I, um, I posted on Facebook that I was going to do a little podcast with you and just ask for kind of some random questions. Right. And uh, one of one of the one of the questions that came up that uh, is kind of kind of funny is, um, what oh. do you think about Chris Williams' haircut? Hmm. <laughs> I've never seen him without a hat on, so <laughs> I don't know if it's bald on the top and he just got the rest of the hair still there, so he doesn't look bald, or what's going on? You know what I mean? <laughs> I got you. Hey. Chris is an awesome dude, man. I mean, he's he's done a lot for karting, man. He he he's a good dude for sure. <clears throat> yeah, I don't uh, I don't know him personally, but he's uh, he's been a big uh, supporter, kind of like of the podcast, and definitely somebody I'd like to get on. He just seems like a seems like a fun conversation, and I think that are you uh, going to least... say who sent that question? Um, <laughs> it, it's uh, he. <laughs> we'll get to that later, maybe. <laughs> I don't want to get anyone in trouble. But um, one of your buddies, one of his buddies. But um, anyway, like on the pictures and stuff I see, man, he just he he reminds me of people that I know personally that are just ate up with racing and love it. And it seems like he's in it for all the right reasons. And um, oh, yeah, you know what I mean, so uh, so it's cool. I just I like to see people uh, like that kind of in the sport, man. I think we definitely there's a lot of people like that. And I think that um part of this whole thing is just having a platform to showcase those people, you know? Um, but, uh, so if we get, let's get back to, um, it's like your early racing. Um, just take me through, uh, like kind of the first couple of years, um, kind of like how you got into it, why you stayed in it. Uh, I know you went back and forth. You said from, uh, like the micros and the carding and, um, maybe just like give it, give, uh, the people listening kind of just like a little background as far as like really how you got started in the first few years. So the first year, I will say this, um, it was when a quarter midget and we were going to Hagerstown, uh, on the regular every weekend and I was racing. And of course, you know, I was five or six and, um, I guess I couldn't keep my foot off the brake pedal. I guess I was dragging the brake or whatever. And, um, my dad actually put a light on the side of the quarter midget that if, I even rested my foot on the pedal, it would, uh, the light would glow. And I mean, it was a bright light, you know, hanging on the side of it and everything. So we would, uh, I think I was leading that night. And I even think my mom was scoring in the race because, you know, the parents would go help score the races and stuff. And um, I guess I was leading, had a pretty good lead, but I got, you know, 
five or six. I mean, relax, you know, but <laughs> I guess the light come on at some point and my dad ran over and told them to uh, black flag me. So <laughs> he, they black flagged me. I pulled off the track course. I was crying, bawling my eyes out. My dad told me, he says, you ain't going to race no more if you're going to ride the brake. Um, and now I can remember the guy that did our decals, put a decal on the back of the quarter midget saying, chill out, dad, I'm only six, you know, or whatever. <laughs> um, so, and I was stuck ever since, man. I loved it. I, I absolutely loved it. And um, just a few years of racing quarter midgets, I kind of grew out of it. And like I said, we moved to Hancock and we weren't far from a little track called Coview Speedway. So we started racing uh, go-karts up there. And man, I think we won in the three years that we raced up there, I think we won every race, but maybe two or three that we ever entered up there. And, you know, we got a little gutsy and we were like, hey, let's let's go try to run the PDKA series. And, of course, we show up with, you know, open trailer with six tires on it. And, you know, we're out there trying to compete with, you know, these guys that run national events. And, of course, we, you know, we did the best we could. I, I, we may have won one or two of them. Um, but we actually, I can say another experience, we went to um, Margaretsville for some big race. I don't even remember. And uh, we showed up with the open trail and we thought we were hot shit, you know, and we were going to come down here and we were going to run with these boys. And uh, we qualified last in everything. And I can remember Danny Eflin's dad coming over and was like, hey, you need to try some of our tires out. And we looked at them and they had cords hanging out of them. Of course, we're running, you know, junior one, junior two at the time or whatever, but um, <laughs> we had no idea. So that mm -hmm. was, that was exciting to learn all that. And um, when I turned 12, we started into micros and racing micros and man, we got heavy into that. We were racing three, four times a weekend. Um, I can remember racing at Pat Valley on a Sunday during the day and i'm like hey dad they're racing at latrobe speedway tonight let's go and of course tomorrow's the first day of school but we're going anyway um <laughs> i was not happy about that uh but we ended up winning that race so it worked out but um you know we got to the point where i was 15 and um and i i hope a lot of kids you know and parents think about this when their kids 15 and they're trying to make the next step and everything um ultimately i wish we would have gotten a 358 or something like that and tried that but we went and was going to go late mall racing at jennerstown um i ended up going to my boss at the time i worked at a construction company and i went to my boss and told him what i wanted to do and he wrote me a check for a sponsorship uh fifteen thousand dollars and i was like holy crap so i go home run home i'm like <laughs> dad look what i got and we ended up buying a brand new how and you know everything was nice we went up and tested and it was awesome and of course first night out we're leading had a good car um i don't even think we were five laps into the race i think i cut a tire down or something and spun out and we come down pit road and we changed the tire out and i really wish we'd have loaded it up but um we changed the tire and dad's like, well, just go out there and ride around and feel it out. Cause of course it was still green. Well, I ended up pulling right out in front of the field and destroyed a car. So ever since then I've big car race and I'm like, I've seen what my parents went through trying to get me back to the racetrack. And I was like, man, I don't want to do this anymore. 
you know, I, I was getting to the point where, you know, I didn't even want to race. And then we, you know, year later, we're moving to Charlotte. So um, when we moved down to Charlotte, I would go back and race. I mean, I've run a 358 at Williams Grove and did a lot of the micro stuff and some midget stuff. And, you know, it was fun picking and choosing and getting to ride for guys whenever they were not busy. But, um, you know, and then it went into NASCAR and I was so busy traveling with the NASCAR stuff, I wasn't able to really race anymore. So how, how old were you when you kind of, I mean, you were kind of forced, I guess we'll say forced that you couldn't really race <laughs> anymore. You really had to uh, just, you know, go all in as far as traveling, as far as uh, like with the NASCAR and stuff, how old were you? So I was gonna, I was 17 at the time I was going to high school and then when I would get out of high school, I worked at a, a Mitsubishi dealership in Huntersville, North Carolina. And um, on the weekends, I would work at Richard Petty Driving School in like the Finish Fab and stuff like that on the weekends. Um, and I was kind of just trying to meet people and just, man, I would if I seen somebody with a racing shirt on, I'd go up and just talk to them and one guy I met, he was like, hey, you know, they're hiring for a tire specialist at Everham. And at the time, man, I, I was going to go to school at UNC Charlotte and try to get an engineering degree. And, you know, I just told myself one day, I was like, man, I'm tired of school, tired of dealing with it. I'm tired of everything. So I went to the principal and I said, hey, I don't want to be here anymore. And he was like, well, you know, if you stick it out, you got enough credits, you can graduate early. So I think I stuck it out like a half day for the rest of the semester or whatever. And I ended up going up to Everham's shop and uh, handed my resume in. And one of the crew chiefs happened to be standing there. I remember um, Randy Seals. And uh, he's like, hey, come back here. How old are you? We were talking. He's like, man, where all did you race at? And I told him my background and everything. And he says, hold on a minute. So follow me. We go up to Ray's office. And I can remember meeting Ray at 17 and... He said, this boy says he used to race this, this, and this, and he's from Hagerstown, and da-da-da, and Ray says, well, do you know this guy? Do you know this guy? And I answered, yeah, I know who Walter Dyer is. You know, he, he wasn't far from where I'm from, and he owned the 461 Sprint car, and this, and, and uh, he looked at Randy and said, hire the kid. So from then on, I was, I mean, I was thrown right in there. I was starting to travel at 17, and... I can remember going to Las Vegas at 17 to test, and uh, I had to be escorted from the front door to my room because they didn't want me in the lobby, <laughs> you know? But uh, ever since then, man, it's just been full-on traveling. And that's a lot to take in at 17, man. I'm just I'm listening to that. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm thinking about where I was at 17. Uh, oh, man. Um so when you, if, if you can remember, um, you know, when you started there at Everham Motorsports, what was your goal at that time as far as, uh, you know, your racing or, you know, as far as working on the cars and stuff? I wanted to be a crew chief. I mean, flat out, I wanted to be a crew chief. And, uh, you know, and that day still may come, you know. Um, I think I know what it takes. Um, it takes a lot. I mean, if, if you travel at that level, you ultimately got to give up a lot. Um, 
And I, I was working my way, and you know, I ended up um, going to Roush for a few years, and uh, was able to car chief um, for a few people over there, and really enjoyed it. But man, I just I got burnt out with traveling. You know, it was it was a point my my girls were three, and I just didn't want to travel anymore. Do you think if you uh, I mean, did you start to have that feeling once the girls came along or is that do you think that was more or less just burnout from the racing itself? I think it was more or less burnout from the racing itself. Um, but, you know, I knew the girls were around three and I was going through some things with their mom and, you know, and um, I ended up meeting Carrie and I'm like, man, you know, I'm. I got somebody in my life that I want to spend every day with and, you know, and my girls are getting to the age where they're more active and I want to be around for it. And, you know, I could care less about if I'm ever a crew chief, you know, because I got this. Why would I want to go be gone 36 weekends out of the year when I can be here with this? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. No, I do, man. I think um, definitely I think kids change a lot. You know, we, we talked about it earlier. I am. Um, I, I always kind of like, I tell buddies that it's like, if I think there's two hacks to getting better at, um, at go-kart tires or go-karts in general. It's one, take a break or two, have a kid, you know, and I think both kind of <laughs> give you the same, you know, I think you just, you have like, you view life with a different set of goggles. And uh, like we were talking earlier, man, when I, you know, I've taken two breaks and when I come back, I feel like I've been better both times. And it's just you, you gain a little bit of patience, you know, if you, I mean, I think if you do it right, you know, as a parent, right. not that I do everything right, but if you're trying to do things <laughs> right, it's, uh, you know, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, man, it's, it's hard. You know, you think picking out the right set of tires is hard. You go have a couple of kids, man. <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's hard. It's, uh, you know, I always tell the guys like that, um, you know, that are younger and it's like, man, if you're going to try to really go you know, travel and learn and do it, especially in Delaware where you really, you know, it's six hours to get anywhere. It's, you know, you better do it now because once you get a couple of kids and the mortgage, it's a little different story. Exactly. With the mortgage. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that doesn't stop. It doesn't matter where you finish, you know, that mortgage is due the first of the month. <laughs> yep. um, but like you said, man, and I, you know, like growing up, I, probably, you probably had similar, similar views, man. Like, I, just all I wanted to do was race. All I wanted to do was go travel and, uh, you know, different levels. But we that's all we wanted to do, man. And, um, Dude, do you know how many times I've quit, like, <laughs> in the last year? <laughs> do you, Karen, uh, I'm sorry. She's like, she's like, man, you are not quitting. Just stop. Like, I'm like, all right, how about I just take a break for a month and just help customers? She's like, yeah, that sounds better. I'm like, okay. That's what I'm going to start saying now. <laughs> do you, um, just out of curiosity, do you have a favorite failure that maybe huh. not at the time, but maybe looking back one that maybe without it, you wouldn't be where you were or, uh, and not that it had to help you in racing, but maybe it just helped you in life. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm just kind of certain, not that there has to be an answer for that. You know, um, Man, you know, when you ask that, the first thing that come to mind is, when I wouldn't run a chain, I was so stubborn. I wouldn't run a chain guard and chain guard, <laughs> like, and it would come off when I'd be leading or like when you knew when you rolled off the grid, those tires were the ones that you needed and you were coming through the field. Like, 
then it came off. You know, it's like that's the only thing that comes to mind really to be a failure that I can remember that taught me like, hey, don't be an idiot. Run a chain guard. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> When you, so you were just kind of alluding to that, uh, you know, there's been a few times in the past year that you just, you know, maybe you've been kind of burnt out or wanting to kind of quit. I mean, maybe not really, but like, at least, you know, you have those thoughts. Like, what are some of the things that, um, is it generally just the grind that makes you kind of like want to just take a break? Is it just dealing with people and customers? Is it the... I mean, is there anything that sticks out to why that happens? Um, so when I say I want to take a break or quit, that's me racing, not like quit hammer uh, car. Like I, gotcha. okay. uh, I always love helping customers. You know what I mean? I always love doing that. And I, I just like, you know, when we go to Millbridge and do those wing outlaw stuff, I'd rather go up there and take care of them kids more than race myself sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. But when I say like, all right, I'm done you know, like with my own racing or whatever, pretty much every time that it's been like that was because of tires. Um, you know, I mean, we were, I made a commitment to a few years ago to I said, well, look, we're going to, we're either going to make it or break it. We're going to start getting two sets of maxes every week. We're going to start rolling them. We're going to do it the right way, get a good cycle going. And literally four weeks later, we're running up front with the best of the best. And that's what it takes. And it, it lasted me another month. And it got to the point where, like you said, mortgages due on the first, uh, we got to make sure the power's on, on the house. Like, you know, we can't go buy two sets this week. So, and, and everybody struggles with it. You know what I mean? And that, but if you want to run with them guys, that's what you got to do. And I think the number one thing that we did for, you know, like me racing or whatever, even some of my customers have made the move, um, is going burst racing. I tell all my customers, I'm like, man, you know, you can, you can look on marketplace or four cycle, or you can hit up some of the best burst guys in the country and buy some old tires and you can go race with them and you don't need to have a big cycle of tires if you don't get to race every weekend you don't you know if you race once or twice a month you can go to dumpling valley well not anymore but you could go to dumpling valley dogwood ashway you can go to a lot of these places <clears throat> and yeah some of them you do need a certain tire but i think the um tires are easier to get uh you hold on to them longer you don't throw them away you know a 2015 tire still serves a purpose in some way shape or form you know and i think that's the biggest thing that since we made that move man i've been wanting to race more because i don't have to buy a tire set of tires every week i don't have to roll them or wipe them or any of that stuff you know i'm i'm when i get home and i am working on my own stuff i don't have to be in the shop till midnight working on my own stuff anymore so but yeah i um uh yeah i know man the, the tire situation is such a sticky little deal man it's um <laughs> it is and i and i'll look i'm the first one to say man every big race that we've ever won has been on maxis and it's been i feel like prepping tires is probably like the advantage that i have or that i had um 
And I, it, and like we were talking a little bit earlier, man, I, I think that I have a lot more questions. Uh, the, the first thing that I will say, because I'm about to pepper you with some questions, is that I really don't know much about Burris. Uh, we went out to run um, the 50K to win at SEMO uh, back in 2015, I think. I felt by the end of that weekend, after signing up for 20 classes, that that I had a good idea of what's going on. But going into that, it was um, a little bit different. But um, all right, so where to start with these tires? <laughs> uh, so the first thing is let's let's just get this straight. So um, most people that listen to this, I would say, are probably going to be more the maxi guys, just because that's what most of the people are. But. Right. So we're all like, we're, you know, we're talking about the HD threes and stuff generally with the maxi. So when you're, when you guys are generally racing, is that on the SS 33s? Yes. Okay. And let's see, when you get a new 33, roughly about how much uh, tread is on that before you cut it? Uh, about right. 75,000, I'd say roughly. And... For we'll say like an average racer that's going to run, you know, a couple times a month, a local track. Generally, how would you, if they ordered a new set of tires, and uh, and I'm I'm not asking for secrets or anything like that, no, man. That's and what I, you I'm, need to know. Yeah, yeah, um, dude. And I, and I, the reason I'm asking is because, look, man, I don't know a lot, and I think a lot of people would like to know some of this stuff. And I know that you are, uh, you're a big burst guy, man. I want to give you the opportunity, and I, anyone that's listening, just so this is out here too. Um, I've reached out to, when I say reached out, I've sent a message to Patty with gold speed and maxis. And I've also sent one to Burris racing on Facebook. I've invited them both to come on and talk and promote their stuff. It's not, a, I got you. So just before we get all this started, man, like I, I'm not for any tire. I think right. <laughs> there's room for everybody. Um, but I just want to get, you know, I would just want to hear more about it. So I'm, uh, I'm Joe Blow from Delaware. I'm going to run 33s weekly, uh, like a Friday night type deal or Saturday night type deal. I want two sets of tires. Right. How are you going to, how are you going to fill that order? Uh, honestly, um, depending and on, let me give you one more thing. Okay. Yep. Generally on my, on my, the track that I'm going to be racing, I'm generally on a maxi to win, punching between 45 and 48. Okay. Okay. So there so you go. I would probably cut them down to um, 40 thousandths, and I would probably do a semi-round cut uh, for that. If you said that you were going to run typically a 52 to a 55 maxis, I would do a full-blown round cut. Um, that's typically what I do on mine, um, personally, because, you know, the tracks we go to, it, um, the burrs have so much grip already in the tire that, uh, compared to a Maxxis, that you want to crown the tire, you want to make it round so that it's less contact patch and it will roll faster, um, in my eyes, you know, and a lot of guys do it different, um, mm -hmm. but, you know, 40 thousandths, uh, a semi round cut and man i think for you you know with two sets um you know if you were only going to run one or two classes you'd be fine i mean you wouldn't be able to kill them with goat pee you wouldn't be able to wipe super aggressive every night but you know you may have to make changes to your go-kart to where you don't have to wipe aggressively and you know a lot of guys are afraid to make those changes to their cart because they think it's going to make it worse but um mm -hmm. 
for us, um, I typically do a round cut and I'll start majority of our tire, new tires off at 40. And, uh, some of, you know, I got some new tires here that I cut clear down to 20. Um, and you know, a lot of guys don't go that, that thin on them right away, but, um, you know, we got, we got some tires that, I mean, I got tires here that are from 2017 that they got cords hanging out of them and we're still going to, they're still going to serve a purpose, you know, in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Okay. And let's say on my, okay, so I get these two sets of tires and I have one set I know for qualifying, um, like generally, would you prep them at all or would they get generally shipped out to the customer uh, straight up? Uh, they'll get shipped out straight up. Um, I typically, I do not wipe um, at all at home um, unless it literally rained a monsoon the night before and mm-hmm. I think you're going to need a Vega punching 15. Then I'll probably wipe them the night before once or twice. But <clears throat> other than that, no, I, I, inger- I generally do not wipe at all. I do not roll at all um, until I get to the racetrack. Okay. And when you say, I mean, as far as rolling them, do you, do you ever roll 33s on the inside or is that like a oddball type thing? Is it generally from the outside? Um, the prepping that you would do? I don't. Um, I do know guys have rolled, um, you know, if they have like an old 2015 or 2016 or 17 tire that's punching, you know, 68, uh, you know, they may roll just straight hot lap on the inside or something like that just to freshen the tire up, but nothing like Mm -hmm. what you would normally put on the inside of a Maxxis. But but to answer your question, no, I have never rolled a 33. Okay. And, and as I was saying, when we went to SEMO, and this was on, uh, see, this was on Recon. So, and we were out there, and very similar to what you said. I mean, that was, you know, a big race, a lot of people there, hard, slick type track. But we were on basically 20,000 tires, brand new. And what was working was either one or two wipes of Andy Murray's Purple or strike them with a goat like right before you went out there you know what i mean so that's so yep. that's pretty similar and um and else for qualifying but if i so like when i get the tires and you know if i have to wipe them a couple times with a goat generally how long um as far as like weeks go do what i need to wait for that tire to get back to where i'd want to run it again if i did wipe it two or three times at night with uh with an aggressive prep whether it be goat or you know, Krug or something, you know, something like that, just something a little more aggressive. I mean, is there a period that it needs to wait? I mean, is it ready the next week? So just from your experience, if anyone listening, that's a very good question. So in my experience, if I wiped, if now, if I struck it with goat before I set the go kart down on the grid and ran it and I came back or I washed that tire, I come home, I pressure wash, really clean that tire really good and let it sit outside for a few days. That tire should come back to the same durometer that week to where you can run it again the very next week. Now, if you say like you did, like if you wipe it with goat and you want to try to get the duro down a little bit and you need some bite, and let's say you wipe the tire two or three times, then I typically tell people, hey, you know, let that thing sit for a couple weeks. 
it's going to be it's going to pay off in the long run. Um, but you know, some guys they can they can do it, and you know, they can get a tire cleaned or uh, they'll wipe it with methanol or something to dry it out. And uh, you know, the best thing is I have seen with these tires is so far as you know, I've taken a tire and I've you know, it rained right before qualifying or something, and we had to really go them down or put black bite on them or something like that. And, you know, we go out and run them, and I come home, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this tire is 85 now. What am I going to do? And I leave it sit outside for two weeks, and I bring it in, resurface it, and I duro it, and it's back up to 60. And I'm like, man, there ain't no way this tire is going to run again, though, because I dumped all that prep on them. And sure enough, we go race, you know, two or three weeks later, and that tire will run just as good as any of them. When you say resurface the tire, mm-hmm. um, I saw a photo yesterday of you, um, yep. and I think it was on Facebook, and it was, I want to say, we'll say roughly like 32 sets of tires, 10 hours resurfacing. <laughs> yeah. um, could you... Could you take me through your process? And, and also, anyone that's listening, like, look, there's, there's no right or wrong answer. Um, this is your way. Um, someone else is going to do it some other way. And so just tell me, you know, whatever your way is, like, what is um, the process of resurfacing the tire? And how often do you do that um, with the burrs themselves? So typically, when we're two weeks out um, from a race, I try to go ahead and start getting them prepared. So we're three weeks out on the nationals, but I am actually going to Williams Grove National Open this coming weekend. So I was like, you know what? I got a day. I got a buddy coming over. We're going to knock these tires out. Um, So I bring them all in the shop. I typically, first thing I do is I set them all to five and six. And just so you know, all these tires have been sitting outside in the sun and the weather and inclements of the, you know, whatever. But um I set them all to five and six and we resurface them all and then I hand wash them in just water and clean them off real good and um, then I go back and I start staggering them and you know I measure all the left rears first and if I need to shrink or stretch you know a few of them I do that and then I go back and I check all the rights and I I'm the type of guy that I'll do the staggering probably three times before I even hit even load the trailer Um, but you know I don't want to be that guy that's oh, no, this tire is, you know, an eighth too small. I'm going to have to put 60 pounds on it before we go to the grid because I definitely need an inch and a quarter rear stagger. You know, I want to make sure we got an inch and a quarter in everything before we even go. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll fire up the um, resurfacer and I'll put them on there. And I just typically use soap with a little bit of, or I use water with a little bit of Dawn dish soap and, um, I'll put 320 sandpaper on my grinder and I'll get to grinding and some tires I can do in one or two passes and some of them uh, that may be feathered a little bit you got to do in four or five passes um, but I think the biggest thing is keeping the tire clean and making sure your staggers right so where there is no issues when you get to the racetrack and then you can focus on all right, what day code do I want to go with what duro do I want to go with what depth do I want to go with and Final thing is, well, what do you want to wipe to hit the racetrack with? Yeah, definitely. And like you said, with the stagger, it's um, sometimes it's hard to get like newer people to understand that the little things are the big things. You know, it's it's right. not that you have some 
better anything. You know, it's just that like your stagger's right. The uh, the wheel spacing's correct. Uh, the ball, you know, it's like it's literally all the little things. And I and a lot of times we we get caught up on the podcast talking about the last ten percent. And I I just always like to remind people that you know when, when we're talking about tires, we generally people that I'm talking to know that everything else is generally right so it's not that we're overlooking it but like we're just kind of going into like the finer details and um uh, so a question that i kind of had and um it looks like maybe as far as the burst goes that maybe the pa series is, is doing something similar to this but so from my understanding with the 33s generally the older they are the better they are so kind of to counteract that for people wanting to get into it do you think it's a good thing to have the rule where the tires can only be say the current year and then one previous year that way you don't really put people at a disadvantage um, that are kind of wanting to switch over like do you do you have any thoughts on that as far as if there is an advantage and does that rule kind of like counteract that a little bit um the best way I've seen that and the best way I've ever answered that, because I get that question all the time, it's a double-edged sword. So, you know, like guys that have been in carding for years that have never dabbled into burrs and everything, they are afraid to make the transition because they think that you have to have those old tires. Um, you know, so the rule will definitely entice them to wanting to do it. Uh, It's not going to entice the guy that just went and bought a cart for his kid who's eight years old and wants to get into carting, and he can buy in this buyout um, six sets of 2016 and 2017 Burtises with it. And he thinks that he's going to be able to show up and go race. And when he shows up and goes race, they're going to say, oh, no, you can't because, you know, they're not 2019 and 2020 tires. And I think it's a double-edged sword. You're going to help some guys. You're going to hurt others. Um, As far as an older tire being better than a newer tire, um, because, you know, I personally – think that the 18s and 19 tire, and I, and I could be totally wrong here, um, they are coming off of the cutter harder than what we were used to. So back in the 15, 16, 17 years, when you would cut a tire, it would come off the cutter, and it would be 52 to 54 Duro. And you would be like, this tire, like, three months later, it's still only 56. And, you know, what the heck? I can't run this thing. Um, so the 18 and 19s, they seem to not only be harder off the cutter, they seem to uh, have a little bit quicker turnaround time if you do prep them a little bit harder. So, you know, to say that uh, older tires what you need, I mean, we went to Millbridge, uh few months ago and um turns out the guy that won was on a set of 18s and he didn't really wipe them at all and i was on a new set of 19s and finished second and we were tit for tat didn't mind fade a little bit there at the end yeah but you know i think i could have done some air pressure a little bit different and stuff to compensate to help that um i don't think you need to say oh why well, i lost you know like i hate 
when you go Maxis racing and you got a guy that's like, oh, I was on a three-month-old tire, and this guy was on a three-week-old tire. Well, I didn't have a three-week-old tire. You know, well, why can't you compensate for that? You know, I don't have that answer. Um, and that's what kind of sucks with the whole carding stuff. But uh, that's why, you know, like the bird stuff, I think you can compensate a little bit with air pressure or change some stuff on your cart to help that. Do you... One question that, that I have had, and uh, yep. I, and it's, I guess there's not really an answer to it, but like, let's just say that Matt Connell and Jonathan Cash and Jerry Mullis and Daniel Arn, like these guys, say they all bought in and they switched the Burris. Do you think the reason, do you think that they would find anything different, like prep wise, that would put, the Burris into the same category as the Maxis, or do you feel that because of uh, maybe like because it is like say a thirty-three or something like that, that it kind of that that there's just not enough room uh, or enough. I don't really know. I, I'm not really coming up with a good question, but it's like if you give the guys that are the best on Maxis enough time with Burris, are the Burris going to turn into the Maxis? Like, have you have you thought about that at all, or has it? You know, do you have any thoughts on that, or is that just kind of like? It, because of the way the tire is initially where you don't really have to get more bite on um, it's kind of a little bit different um i don't know if that makes sense at all dude i'm kind of rambling but uh <laughs> I, I get I, what you're saying i so yes it's, it's an unknown it, i know it's an unknown man it's it, an it's unknown, like kind of a, sure but i think honestly like i mean let's give uh patrick gillian a lot of credit here right so Patrick is like, I mean, he's like the Burris God. Everyone wants to be like Patrick, you know, and he, and he knows he's like Matt Connell is with Maxis, um, you know, but then you got like Jonathan Wheeler come, come around and switched over to Burris and that whole 55 cartel bunch. I mean, they, they flat out, I mean, hit the lap times he turned over the weekend at Dumplin' Valley was phenomenal, you know, and he found something, um, I think that's what you'll have. Let's say Jonathan Cash, Jamie Knopf, they show up and they start buying verses and they cut their own verses and everything. Yeah, they're going to be the class of the field. They're going to figure it out quicker than any of us. Um, but that being said, then you look at guys like, um, and I don't want to give them any discredit, but like uh, Bo Billings, um, he won at Dumplin' Valley this weekend. And, you know, he don't race every weekend. You know, I don't think he goes out and buys, you know, 20 sets every month and goes and races. And he was able to show up and run with those guys. Um, you look at and, and win. And then you look at guys like Zeke Arms. Zeke Arms shows up in a trap. Uh, he's got a six by 10 trailer and he pays attention to the details. He does everything right. It's not about the money. Zeke Arms can go. I could put Zeke Arms up against any of those guys at a Burris race. And it's mainly because, you know, he's doing all the right things. He's setting the air before he resurfaces them. He makes the time to clean the tire and keep it clean. And he keeps notes of what he's doing. That's ultimately what helps. And bottom line, regardless of whether they you know, switch to Burris and start demolishing everyone. And then everyone else is, you know, whatever. Um, you know, like you said, it's kind of unknown. But bottom line is, 
when you get burruses and run them, you do not throw them away. Do you have to buy two sets a week? No, you don't. If some of those guys switch to burruses, are they going to buy two sets a week? Sure, that's fine. That's, that's on them. But bottom line is you don't throw them away. They always serve a purpose. And on any given day, I feel like I can go compete against those guys on burruses better than I can on Maxis because I did it. Um, you know, I did a cycle for two months and was running up front with them. And that's what it takes. And the moment that you can't keep that cycle going and, you know, some bills come about or like me, my truck broke down and you got to pay for that. Like once you stop that cycle, you got to start all over again. There's no taking those tires from three months ago and saying, Oh, I'm going to, get them freshened up and take them to the racetrack. No, you were so far behind. You don't even know. Did that answer it very good? <laughs> I was going to say I, the funny thing is, man, I'm sitting here thinking that Burris better send you a free set of tires. Cause that was, uh, that was, a, I mean, that was a pretty good answer to be honest with you. And that I think, and, and that's why I'm asking, man, like I'm, I'm generally like, these are just questions a, that, that, you know, I'm not a Max's hater. Like, if the Burr's Blue Gray Series wasn't running uh, October 12th, I was literally going to call down there and ask Gold Speed if I could have an invite to the Nationals because what they're doing, um, you know, I love Nieces. Don't get me wrong. Nieces is a beautiful racetrack. And, um, you know, like that, if they would do big races to where, hey, listen, sign up for two classes, buy your tires here, it's 150 bucks. I don't even care if I just get a trophy for winning. 150 bucks they give you the tires and that's the only set you can run that day oh i'd go run all the time you know but it's not like that fortunately yeah no i i like that little model as well man i uh it, and to me it doesn't matter what tire it's on you know like i like the model I, Joe, uh, jody miller actually he was talking about uh and i'm sure that his dad's not the only person to talk about it but having Let's just say you had five classes. I don't know. Five classes. You run five yeah, classes. Yeah, I heard that. I was listening to that the other day again. And, uh, you know, like he said, with the five classes, run, qualify five, and then race those five classes. Like, that That takes – I don't know if that's going to help with the Maxis deal um, with needing a one-week, two-week, three-week, four-week old tire. But it's definitely going to help um, the guys that show up and – Let's say you're a super heavy guy and you don't run any other class and you kind of don't really associate yourself with anyone else. Well, you're going to run class four and you're going to run class 14. Well, between four and four, between class four and class 14, that track is going to change drastically. You ain't even going to know what gear to put on. If you don't have some other form of entity with you, you're not going to even know what gear to put on, what tire to go with, what air pressure to run. Right. I I agree, man. I think um, uh, get a little deep here, but I think that anyone that's ever um, like knows like the ten thousand hours theory or uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book on the ten thousand hours and stuff. It's like you know, basically if you put you know ten thousand hours in, like you're going to be good at whatever it is. You know, rather go back to like the Beatles or whoever, but in reality, it's really 10,000 iterations. It's like doing something, seeing if it works, making an adjustment, seeing if it works. So like you said, um, when you're running four classes a day, and that's exactly why we did it. I mean, 
we ran medium heavy, warm up heavy, and pro heavy. But medium was always the class that I I could care less what we did. I was trying something that you know that was my test class because right. we just didn't get the test you know on a good track. But um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree, man. And I think that um, it's kind of hard because when like whether we're talking this conversation or others, it's you know like sometimes we allude to like getting tires that day. Like I think like that's the ticket for like the big races. But right. you know. But at the same time, like, you know, you are right. Like, at the end of that day, those tires are maybe a good set of takeoffs for, like, a local guy. But they've got a couple more laps and they're done where um, maybe with the burst it is a little bit better, you know. Like, I, I don't know. But um, so a question that um, someone else actually kind of submitted on Facebook is um, – what motivates Alex to see the burst program grow and what challenges he sees with the burst program growing in the Southeast? Um, so like, do you, um, like what are the things that kind of, is there just the fact that where you got back into it and you realize, uh, at least for you and in your racing in your mind, like the burst is the better program for go-karting or, uh, like what are, what are some of your outlooks or thoughts on Burris, uh, like moving forward and like some of the challenges? Because, uh, you know, like it or not, there are some gatekeepers in go-karting, you know, and um, and I feel like with the Internet, uh, maybe with this platform, maybe with, with people like you, uh, maybe that will open up some of that. But um, just what are some of your thoughts for maybe people that are listening or some local tracks that maybe in Delaware or, you know, Nebraska, I don't know, that are maybe – looking to try to get a few more entries and really make the long-term investment in their track um, and in sport in general. So that all refers right back to when I said, you know, you don't throw them away. You know, you're not going to. Um, uh, and the best best way to answer that is to just give an example. Um, Woodleaf Friday night, okay? Um, a guy came in the shop, bought a hammer cart, um, I've been helping him with tires. He's been buying tires from me. We've been cutting tires, everything. Um, he kind of says, you know, what do I need to go race there? So, and, and mind you, he, he's got three sets of tires, right? So I tell him, you know, you got to have goat set. You got to have this set and you got to have a new set. So he goes up there and runs. Well, it rains, right? And pours down rain and not sure they're going to call it or not. So he's, you know, or he doesn't know whether they're going to call it or not. So he thinks, well, qualifying's over, man. Maybe I'm going to be able to race, you know, if they get the track ran. You know, he don't know. He's green. So what does he do? He goes and grabs a goat pee and starts torching it in. And he torches in so much goat pee to where he kills a set of tires and they cancel the race. And he calls me up and says, hey, I got these maxes rowing down to 30. What do you think? I could do with them now. And I'm like, man, you know, I mean, there ain't really much you can do to them. Um, when it comes down to a burst, I don't, I've never seen any circumstance where you would have to torch anything into a burst. Uh, but, you know, even if you do have to go to them a few times, like I said, you can set that tire out in the sun and leave it outside for a couple of weeks or heck, even a couple months if you want to. And, you know, it's going to come out of the tire, I feel like, if you, as long as you clean them good and resurface them and keep them clean and leave them out there. You know, I think, I think the Duro will get harder on them and that tire will serve a purpose again later in life. 
Um, and it's just plain and simple. It's not like that with other tires. Uh, that That's the way, you know, you don't throw them away. And that other reason is, is the reason why I think, um, you know, why that's the reasons why I'm more prone to running them versus anything else. And to answer the other question is why do I think it won't happen in the Southeast or it's going to take longer is, you know, people, it's so easy to change, right? Um, but these are the same people that will sit here and complain about how, oh, I just bought a case of tires and, you know, they're, uh, the circumference of them is a quarter inch less and it'll blow up a whole feed and, you know, people will be commenting on them saying, oh yeah, mine too. And this and that. And, you know, if you don't like it, don't complain about it. Find something that you do enjoy and, you know, make the change <clears throat> to Burris. Go on Marketplace, hit up Billy Vandergriff or Cole Wakey or Philip Schneider and who are posting, hey, we got good takeoffs for sale. Get them. Go try it. It's so easy to change, but it's just like some people, I don't know if they're addicted to goat pee or they're addicted to creosote or what it is, but they just they just kind of like it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, you know, I've kind of I thought about this and, um, well, a couple different things. Like, one, I've often wondered if it's harder to get people to change because um, – and, and I'm generally talking about more of, like, the traveling circuit, like a lot of those guys. Um, because it's, it's almost like you've got three or four camps that are winning pretty much all the races, you know. And those guys, if they're making a living and paying their racing with tire prepping as a service – like I kind of wonder if if because everyone relies on the handful of you know ten or fifteen people for all their information, are they just kind of like blindly following those people and and are those people just doing what's in their best interest for their business? you know um, I, I don't know like sometimes when like when I look at the difference between like Burris and Maxis as far as like making money from them like I uh, and maybe I'm naive in thinking this, but I, I feel like you spend more money on, on like a liquid to put on your tires on one, and the other one, you would spend more on this, like the actual, um, you know, the effort of resanding them and and stuff like that. But I feel like the effort is something someone can put in, where sometimes people just don't have the extra money to right. do it. You know, like I guess I would rather someone not win because of effort as opposed to money. Um, right. Because I, you know, honestly, the first time I went away traveling racing, I think the trailer I went with with the toter home and everything was bigger than the trailer I grew up in. You know <laughs> what I mean? So it's like okay. I, I think like the entry to um, or the barrier to entry, like you know, soccer is big because it's one ball with a hundred kids. You know. Go-karting right. is never going to be that way, but if we can try to somehow make it so it's simpler to understand as far as the structure and also like doing the tires and, and the chassis and stuff like that, I just think it would be easier to attract people, you know? Right. Um, I don't know. But um, <laughs> I know, man, it's like I, no one really has the answer. And, I, you know, another thing that I kind of I, – I wish – I wish there was a way to see this happen. Like, I wish someone would go out there and just video. Like, what is the difference between, say, like a 33 and a Maxi EL? Um, like, do you know? Has anyone ever, like, taken them, cut them down to 40,000 or 50 or 60 or whatever? And 
and run them to see like are they comparative or comparable on the track um, no i wouldn't um i mean i've raised both you know i've been successful in the el stuff i've sold a lot of els to a lot of big names you know i've cut a lot of tires for a lot of big guys you know that run the used to run the tri-state and stuff like that um mm -hmm. the el tired it's like it got to the point where them guys was figuring out you know it's a uh it's a synthetic rubber um it's kind of like plastic uh, you know, you, you, you damn near cut them about the same. Um, there's a few slight differences, um, but hands down, like a new tire, uh, EL wise was the way to go and what you ended up needing to have. Um, and even speed wise, like, I mean, people that, you know, that ran ELs are kind of the fastest way is you're on the edge. I mean, you don't get that gripped up feeling going through the corner. Um, and you know, the first time I bolted on burst tires, the very first time I bolted on burst tires and ever ran, it was at Dumplin' Valley. Uh, I missed practice completely cause I was worried about having enough tires and I, uh, just didn't practice. And I literally did not know anything about them. I bolted them on the go-kart, set the air, soaked them down with go pee, went out and qualified. And I was like, wow, the grip that these things got in them, it was like, it blew my mind and we ended up qualifying second first time I ever ran them, you know, and that, and that it was like, man, this is easy, you know, compared to, you know, pulling my damn hair out with, <laughs> stuff, you know, and, and then maybe it's just because it's easier for me, you know, it may be harder for other people. Um, so, and then to answer your question, like the, the whole deal, like when you say, you know, you got these guys teaming up, well, regardless of what tire they're on the guys that have the teams to where they got a junior one a junior two a junior three a couple adult drivers and a super heavy driver you know they're gonna prevail no matter what tire they're on and you know that alludes back to like when you had jody on the show and he was talking about doing five and five um you know versus the way we do things now um mm -hmm. you know, it, a big team's gonna prevail no matter what <clears throat> Yeah, I, I really like that. Um, I really like that, man. And it's even like that. It's it's a simple little suggestion, and it's just something I never really, you know. I, I think we all get caught up in sometimes racing and, and that aspect of it. And I, I feel like the structure and the layout and things like that have kind of just been overlooked and almost, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Like it, it seems like track promoters today and no one in particular but a lot of promotion is really just adding classes to get more entry fees yeah. and um and i just I, I don't know man it's just weird it's like and i tell you you know i think you know we can sit here and discuss it all night and everything but like what parent think think of put yourself in a parent's shoes what parent wants to go racing with you know when their kid comes home and says dad i want to race you know what parent is going to want to get involved in this the way the tires are going nowadays? Like, I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't want to, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. that's why, like, I kind of moved on to this uh, Wing Outlaw deal at Millbridge and started building carts for up there, and we've sold three up there. But, you know, they don't um, – they can't even wash their tires. I mean, they buy one set and – it goes in a building and that's where it stays and they can wash them at the end of the night and their sink and they can put them away, but there's absolutely no prep. There's 
no washing of the tire. I mean, it gets into, you know, moving the chassis again, which fortunately I'm, I feel like it's one of my, you know, um, I don't even know a word for it, but it's one of the things I'm better at. Uh, you know, we, we went up there and raced, uh, last Wednesday night and Colt Curry, we, you know, we went out in the heat race and, um, Biscuit Williams and Tony Belt pretty much drug her eyeballs out in the heat race. And I come back and I told Colt's dad, I said, man, we ain't going to win like this, you know? So we ended up, I mean, we, we moved the seat, we did hubs, we did camber, capture, <laughs> we did it all, you know, stuff that you would never do in racing anymore. And a lot of people don't even know what to do. And, you know, um, we went back out there and we were probably, you know, between us and Biscuit Williams and Tony Belk and them guys, you know, we, we were the class two of the field and, you know, battling out for the win. And of course it didn't end our way, but you know, it's way racing is. And, you know, but the point of my story is they're getting 20 to 30 kids in both beginner and box stock every night on a Wednesday night. And, you know, I think primarily two reasons, one safety, those kids are in a, a uh, contained seat with a Hans device. And then two, they don't have to fool with the tire prep. They don't have to deal with having 14 sets of tires or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What, uh, if, I mean, if you don't mind sharing, you can just give like, uh, you know, roundabout prices, but yep. what, um, like on the winged outlaw go-kart compared to just a regular flat cart, um, just, We'll say roughly like race, you know, race ready. Maybe like with a body and, and a set of tires. Like what? Just roughly, are they about the same? Um, what is no, the difference? So in- roughly, roughly, uh, the wing outlaw stuff is about a thousand dollars more. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's pretty much you know the cage and the receivers and the wing and um, stuff like that. You know, going on. You know, there's a lot of for me anyway. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into that, and uh, you know, it's it's not cheap for me to build them. You know, because I'm I'm not a big chassis manufacturer. I mean, I've built a good amount for out of a two car garage, but you know, um, we know we, we pay attention to quality and we kind of, um, focus on that and make sure the biggest thing that I think we strive with is the customer support. Um, but, um, regarding the price, I mean, you think about it, if it's a thousand more dollars for a wing outlaw cart and you know that your kid is going to be in a contained seat with seat belts and a Hans device and, and you're not going to have the expense of, I mean, you're going to spend a thousand dollars in prep in some instances uh, a year, you know? So, I mean, it, I think it pays for itself in the long run. The difference between, uh, from a chassis builder point or you know from a chassis design and mm-hmm. and building them is there is the actual the chassis like the flat cart part the same or do they differ between the two um the two go-karts so the the jig um both chassis are built off the same jig um if that answers your question yeah um the difference is the tubing um i do a little bit different tubing wise for the wing outlaw stuff typically because you can't prep tires. Um, so I try to put the bite in the go-kart mechanically a little bit more than not. And, you know, it seems to be paying off. When you, 
so when you got when you decided to get back into hammer carts and that, that was something that you wanted to kind of bring back to life how like how did that come about i mean did you is that something that you had thought about ever since you were younger <laughs> um, as you got closer to it or is it something that you just were bored out of your brains and you're looking for something to do. You know, I don't know. Just kind of like what, uh, what was going through your mind when you decided to get back into it? And so, <laughs> so I was actually car chiefing at Roush for Bubba Wallace and a uh, mechanic on the other car that at the shop uh, used to race go-karts and he still had his old go-kart. I think it was like a Ultramax Blaze Octane or something. And he was, trash talking about how he was going to go run this D and Q series and he was going to win and everything. And I was like, man, you ain't. So I was literally <laughs> looking on Craigslist and found a old phenom, bought it for $500, um, went through it, went and got me a predator, you know, and of course I couldn't <laughs> leave it alone. I'm changing the valve springs in it and everything, but um we i actually i knew nothing about the tires like i had no idea and um i called so at the time my shock specialist was kale gale and he's all showing me these pictures of these go-karts and he's like uh this guy is actually living at my house right now he's trying to move his comp his chassis company up this way and um this is who you need to get your tires from and I was like, all right, well, tell him I want a set, you know, whatever. I only need one set. And so we were going to go run this race. Well, it was Wesley LeBlanc. And <laughs> so Wesley gave him the kale and brought him by. And I remember it was like a bottle. Of, I don't even know what it was. It was purple. And, and he told me, like, when to wipe them and everything. So I had no idea. So I'm wiping these tires. We go up there and race. Well, Wesley decides he's going to come watch because it was i mean heck, they had like 35 entered that night and it was the night that you had to do a pit stop so yeah so literally huh. halfway, through, halfway through the race you had to change the right rear tire well i only bought one set of tires and i didn't know this so i'm like calling wesley the day of i'm like dude can you bring if you're coming can you bring another tire he was like oh yeah no problem so I, re I remember it pretty good. We were running second, and uh, we come down the pit road area and everything, and it was uh, Wesley and uh, Tyler McLeod. And uh, I can remember Tyler picking the go back of the go-kart up. Wesley's running the impact, changes the tire, and I go, and uh, we come out first, and uh, we ended up finishing second. Of course, it was probably because of my driving. Wesley probably did a really good job on the tires but and the pit stop, but – from then on, man, I was like, man, this is awesome. Like, so um, I bought another set of tires from Wesley. Uh, they were HT3s. They were only, you know, I don't even know what they were. Of course, I mounted them up, and I was like, man, they're paying a 1000 to win down at Hanging Rock and this Predator stuff. So we put the, uh, the go-kart in the back of the pickup <clears throat> down to Hanging Rock, and I entered in in it, and... The only prep I had at the time was hot lap two, and I would only wipe them once before we went on the racetrack. You know, I didn't know what I was doing, and uh, we ended up winning that thousand to win race. And like, I thought, oh, this is way too easy, you know. And then here we are now. I'm <laughs> head against the wall. Like, why can't it be that easy anymore? You know. <laughs> but 
you know, it's just, it's funny how I got into it and I had that phenom and I'm like, man, you know, like I started racing more and more and I was like, I could build one of these, you know? So me and my dad talked and we were, we called up slack carts and ordered a bunch of parts from them to build one and we built one and we got back into it and here we are. <clears throat> and now you're hooked. Oh uh, no, it's crazy how that works out, huh? I can blame Wesley, I guess. <laughs> well, that's good, man. Wesley, uh, you, when I talked to him the first, you know, just like you, man, the first time I ever talked to him was uh, a couple minutes before the podcast we did, and um, and I just, uh, you know, I, I my brother he races a little bit, and um, he is, he texts me after he heard it. He's like, man, he's like. Listen to that guy. I could go buy his go kart right now, and I'm like, you know, like he's he's good, man. It's uh, I, I'm glad to see people like that in the sport. You know what I mean? I think um, you know, like people like that yourself, and and to be honest know. with you, I mean, I kind of base my whole model too. You know, like when someone calls and orders a cart, you know, I mean, they get the same treatment as anyone. Um, you know, like all my tubing, I hand pick it right out of the rack. Um, I got a CNC bender. It goes, the tubing goes straight to them. They bend the go-kart. Um, I bring it here. I notch it. I weld it myself. I put it in the fixture. Um, I'll completely build the go-kart. Uh, and then, you know, I'm the type that I'll take it back over to the CNC person and I'll get them the white light scan it. So I know that every go-kart that comes out of the shop is exactly the same. Um, and then, you know, I got another motto with all my customers. You know, I tell them when they buy a cart, like, come to the shop, sit in it. Tell me if there's anything that you want changed. Tell me if the seat doesn't feel right. Tell me if the pedals need to be closer or further away. Let's go ahead, scale this thing completely out. And I don't charge any extra for that stuff because I feel like I want the go-kart to perform as good as it can. And I do all I can. Dude, I got customers that they'll go and they'll get in left field a little bit and i gotta pull them back in and i'll just call them up and be like hey listen bring that go-kart over here to the shop before you go race next and i'll scale it out and don't worry about paying me like we'll spend four hours on it if we have to like i want this thing to be right and you know i kind of do that and then i kind of started um back when i was a tire specialist in nascar and stuff you know i had run log programs for every run that that race car hit the racetrack and i kind of incorporated that into hammer carts and each customer gets a tire inventory program so every set they have in the shop they can input it into that inventory and it it's another tool that helps them with their tires um i also have a run log so every time you know like i think you get customers that you know, they'll go race or whatever, and they'll call you up and be like, man, this thing sucks. It will not turn on entry. Like, it is just plowing the nose. And I'm like, well, how much nose weight did you have? Oh, I don't know. Or All right, well, how much rear stagger were you running? Well, I don't. I think it was like inch and a quarter or inch and a half. I don't really remember. So now I'm like, hey, listen, there's no excuse. You fill this run log out. You bring it. You email it to me or text it to me, whatever. And I'll sit here and I will take the time to go over each and every um, guy's run log and say, hey, listen, you know, this is probably why it was pushing. Um, maybe you should make these couple adjustments with your tires or maybe you need a little bit more nose weight 
or maybe you need something else, you know, and I, I try to be really hands on. And that's just like, um, when we do go racing like this Burris national, I mean, I got eight go-karts coming to this Burris national and I basically told them all, I was like, Hey, you know, if you want to get a couple sets or I got a bunch here, you know, like come and run, run two classes. I'll do the tires for all eight of you. Like you don't have to worry about nothing. I want you all to have a good time, run up front. And, you know, and then I got some guys that are like, nah, I kind of want to do my own thing. And I still help them when they need it. You know what I mean? But it's, it's fun for me to build something with hammer carts and get a lot more guys on the cart and help people out and seeing them win. Uh, it don't have to be me winning, you know, but just seeing them win is huge for me. And so as far as hammer carts go, at least right now, you know, where you are right now, where do you, I guess, where do you see it going, you know, in the next three to five years? And, um, you know, like what goals do you have for that? Is it, is it, um, you know, based on the amount you're putting out, you just want to continue to grow? Um, like what, what are some of like your kind of like your outlooks for the next three to five years? We'll say like as far as, um, the cart chassis and everything go. So for the next three to five years, I'm really <clears throat> hoping to get to the point to where I'm selling three to five go-karts every month. That's a, uh, that's a solid goal. I think for me, um, and I think I can achieve it, you know, and at that point it's, it's going to be a, Hey, you're going to sink or swim. You know, do you go in this full board or do you keep your full-time job and kind of do this through the night? Um, but I want to be able to go to more races. I want to be able to go help customers more often. I want to get to the point to where I'm not racing anymore, but I have someone else that's not necessarily working for hammer carts, but is here you know, a couple nights a week and paying them or even letting them drive or whatever, you know, but, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I would love to see this. I mean, I'm very fortunate right now that, um, you know, business is good. It's self-sustaining itself. Am I making a bunch of money? No, because I'm trying to put it back into the business, um, and get some more carts just built and sitting here on the shelf and stuff like that. But, I think primar primarily it all comes down to how well you are with customer service and helping your guys. Um, if you're not doing that and you're not offering the help or you're not responding to their Facebook <clears throat> messages or text messages and stuff like that, that's what's going to kill it. Yeah, I agree. And we, you know, we kind of, we talked a little before and it was, and my own opinion is that I, you know, I live in Southern Delaware, so that we live really close to the beach, um, Dewey Beach, Rehoboth, Lewis, big party towns. And over the last 10 to 15 years, just society in general has gone, you know, instead of just drinking Bud Light or Miller Light, it's like it's all the craft beers have kind of taken over. And I kind of alluded like you're you, um, you know, West, like a lot of these guys, like I'll say craft chassis builders are. I mean, I think the wealth is going to be spread out. I think the days of, um, you know, like whether it be Phantom or, or, you know, Ultra Max back in the day or whoever really owning a majority of the share is, is kind of over. And I think that's just in general, like throughout society. And, um, and I feel like customer service, rather, you know, with you and, you know, Wesley and people like that, that are give you extra effort. 
uh, everyone works hard for their money and if they're going to spend it, you know, you want to feel good about the person you've given it to and, and also the goals that they have in the direction that they're moving in. So um, I, yeah. I definitely think that you're right, man. Customer service is, is going to be where it's at, you know, um, as far if I, if you could only pick three things for, you know, your customers going to the track, three things that they would always keep notes on, um, what would those three things be? I think a lot of times, like we try to, we get kind of balked and like trying to keep the weather, the tires, the chat, like everything. But if you could only pick out three to tell the new guy that's starting out in go karting, what would be the, you know, really the three things that you keep notes on and pay attention uh, each race weekend or re, you know race event? Did you say three or thirty? Three, three, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, exactly. Thirty. I could pick sixty, and it's like, and you get, I get bogged up in a mall in a. Yeah. You know, so it's just kind of curious. And I know that's kind of hard for someone that probably overthinks a lot of stuff like um, Yeah, I overthink everything. Yeah. I, would say, I mean, there's no substitute for knowing what's in your go-kart. So number one on the list is, you know, obviously when you need to scale. I scale every time before I load. Um, and that, you know, having those notes every time is key. And when I say scale... Of course, you have to scale on the tires that you're running. You have to scale on the right, the same air pressure. When you scale, you got to scale with the same air every time. And you have to make sure that the stagger and the run out of the tire is exactly the same for what you plan on racing. So if you plan on going with inch and a half, inch and a quarter in the back, you know, inch and a half in the front, inch and a quarter in the back, then you better scale on those numbers and you better have it all wrote down. Um, and then number two, I mean, obviously tire selection, uh, what did you select? Uh, was it set, you know, when I say that, I mean, when my customers open up their, uh, tire inventory, you know, everything is in set numbers, one through however many sets they got. And then it, they'll have recorded the circumference, the, um, durometer, the depth, uh, how it was cut how many laps were on the tires, et cetera. So then number two is tire selection. And then number three, air pressure. These, uh, when it comes down to go-karts, I mean, you know, for me in the NASCAR world, I mean, we got shocks and springs. In the go-kart world, that tire is your spring. That is going to just, that air pressure is going to justify more on that go-kart than you would even imagine. Um, when it comes to prep and stuff like that, I think, you know, that could be number four and five, but primarily making sure you know what your go-kart's set up at, making sure you know what tire you're selecting, and then the air pressure, if I had to pick three. Could do. And do you generally set your air pressure on the grid before you go out or before you send the, the cart up to the grid? So, <laughs> and obviously, you know, I mean, everybody's, everybody's different, and we all got different philosophies. Um Man, you know, and, and, and that's something that a lot of guys got to learn. Um, and I think that's what a lot of guys struggle with. I mean, if you got all your tires, it's, it's all circumstantial, right? So if you got all your tires sitting in the trailer at 80 degrees and you got the heater going and you take the tires out of there and you bolt them on the go-kart and you go to the grid and you're sitting up there for, for a class, you know, waiting at the grid and it's only – 40 degrees outside, well, those pressures are going to change. So I typically 
under those circumstances, like at that circumstance, I would set it on the grid. Um, but I typically tell all my customers when they do set their air pressures, make sure the tires are at the same temperature as what the temperature is outside. And you'll never be wrong in that instance. Um, the other thing too is obviously, you know, are they sitting out in the sunlight? Don't let your tires, don't let two of them sit out in the sunlight and two of them not, and then set the air pressure. It's, it's going to be wrong. So keep them in the shade, you know, so that you're doing the same thing every time or, you know, make sure it's the same temperature as what you are currently in right now, if that makes any sense. Cause you know, I know a guys that'll be trying to roll them in the hot box and wipe them down before they go. And it's like, they're up on the grid and setting the air. And I'm like, dude, you are messing up because as soon as them things touch that cold concrete, that air is going to drop like a rocket. So. Yeah. No, I, I put out a couple of tweets and stuff like that. that says, uh, you know, go-karting is more about, uh, eliminating variables as, as opposed to controlling them. You know what I mean? That is so the like, best it, way to put it. Yeah, man. And I just, the less you can think about, man, if every tire is 34 on the right side and yeah, it just, it's, it's just less to think about, you know what I mean? And, um, it's just, a lot of people don't put as much thought into all the little things like that. I think is maybe they should. Exactly. Um, and, um, so we've been going for a little bit, man. And, um, I know as we're getting to the end, I'm, I'm hoping that there's still people listening, you know, <laughs> I'm not everyone's going to turn it off after they heard we were talking about various tires, but um, <laughs> if there is, you know, I, I think that there is um, at least the willingness for local tracks to try stuff now, because we're almost kind of at the point that, you know, some places are at that point, they, they are either going to make it or they're going to sell the land. Um, and not that they have to make a killing. I mean, most people want to try to keep their track open. If, if there is like a local go-kart track, um, somewhere, whether it be here or there's actually been people listening to this from like Australia and stuff, man. But, um, if there was actually someone that had a local track and they wanted to try something different as far as the Burris program goes, um, how, like, I mean, how would you suggest they go about that? Like, do you have any ideas um, to get people to switch or, um, I, I don't know, like, I, I guess just anyone out there kind of listening, cause the birds are kind of an unknown for the past 15 years because of the tire rolls. Um, I just, you know, I don't know. Is there anything that you'd like to pass on to anyone that is kind of contemplating or thinking about making the change? I mean, I think if they made the change, it would be better for them in the long run, uh, cart count wise, um, it'll be more appealing for guys like me that don't get to race every single weekend or cannot um, keep up with the two sets every week and stuff like that. Um, and I think it's more or less something that needs to be educated to people. You know, so many people are used to just buying a set of tires and having to prep, 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 and prep and dump more prep on them. Um, and, then, you know, it's not that way. And, and I'm not saying that Maxis is that way. I mean, but if you're going to local race with Maxis, yeah, you got to prep the tires. Um, and, you know, it's it's kind of catch-22. Do I have the answer? No. But, I mean, there's a reason why we made the switch, and there's a reason why we're sticking with it. So that's pretty much why I can 
what I can tell them. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, no, I agree, man. It's like, um, it's like my kids when they say they don't like sushi. Well, you never tried sushi. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, and, and I'll tell you a good example. I mean, you look at, so my wife, her parents own uh, Dogwood Speedway and Rodney Byers runs the Bird of Southeast tour and stuff like that. And, um, you know, his track was a Max's track it, for the longest time. Um, and a few years ago, they up and made the change. And, you know, I mean, I, I think it's for the better. I think it's helped them out a lot. I think in, they've actually gotten more, you know, carding in general has been on a decline. I think him making the change to Burris only, he didn't feel the decline as bad. You don't see him happen to shut his racetrack down. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, if that makes any sense. And and really, he's not in a very good location. I mean, I tell him all the time, like, man, you know, I mean, it takes us five and a half hours to drive up there, you know. But I like the racetrack. It's an awesome facility, and it's a place to race Burris. Yeah, I I do. I've I've only been there one time. We um, and I'm not we, the only one frustrated. I mean, I know I've seen facebook posts and i'm not gonna say anyone's name that i mean he raced maxes forever and i think he was just sick and tired of buying the tires and keeping a cycle and dealing with it and you know if that's what you want to do that's great and i'm not gonna knock maxis i'm not gonna say max is a bad tire i'm not gonna say anything heck if i could run the maxis nationals this year i'd be there um but you know he's like straight up said i'll drive eight hours to run a burris race then i will go back to buying two sets every week. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense, man. And, um, you know, especially like you said, it really, uh, even the people that I, you know, that I talk to that are really kind of sticking more towards the regional circuit and not really even hitting all the, you know, not necessarily tri-state races this year because there aren't any, but like the big, you know, all the the traveling circuit, man, wherever that is, you know, we're kind of in Armstrong and everyone is. um, A lot of people are just kind of like, even if they're running regional, like you said, or having to do, you know, two sets every two weeks, roughly, just to keep that rotation. And, um, and you know, it's it's the nature of the beast. You know what I mean? It's kind of crazy. But um, And I hate it because I, love, I, like racing. I like racing those guys. I like racing the best in the business, you know. And it, it's just um, I'm burning money, per se, if I can't – if I'm not financially stable enough – and committed to running every week. And I mean, at minimum, you got to be running three times a month and you mm-hmm. have to have that cycle. If you want to compete with those guys. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree, man. And I think that, um, you know, like I'm kind of interested to see like where, where everything goes, you know what I mean? Um, I, you know, it's like I look at all the big races in the year and I think the biggest, like one of the more prestigious races is the maxi national, and you're not racing for a bunch of money, you know what I mean? So it's like, like there's there's something there that I, even like when you kind of deconstruct go karting at its highest level, you know, like it was Ron Moon and Todd Miller racing for trophies, you know. I mean, that's like that's what it was all about, you know. And it's like, and somehow we kind of got off on the wrong foot. And I don't know if because there is so much money that people just think that you know there's no chance they're ever going to have to go away and run and stuff like that, but um. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't want to see it die. I don't think there's a lot of people that do. So it's um, just trying to maybe not, just have. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to die. Like I told you earlier, man. It, 
Carding and racing in general is a circle. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, we may not be at the bottom now, but, um, you know, it's going to come around. And, you know, when everyone says, you know, oh, carding's dying and this is dying and this and that, man, I go to Millbridge on Wednesday night and I see all those kids running around having a blast. And for a Wednesday night and they are racing for a trophy and to get that many, like, it tells me it's not going to die. It's going to keep going and it's going to get better. So, and that's regardless of what tire we run on. You know what I mean? No, I, that's the thing is everyone, and I say everyone, I'm, I'm making vast generalizations, but <laughs> you know, there's either like, you're either on the burst side or the maxi side. And I'm like in the middle saying, Hey man, like, why can't we do it with both of them? You know I mean? There's enough to go around if we don't try to divide everyone, you know what right. I mean? And, um, and like I said, that's just because, let's say hypothetically speaking, maybe the Burst 33 is the best tire for racing. Like, that doesn't mean that Maxi can't go out and make something that's equal to it. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's all these people have, like, well, what we have now is all we have to choose from. But it's like, nah, we don't. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of things, a lot of industries that are changing um, for the better. And I, I think that racing, and you've been around racing your whole life, man. I think that go-kart racing at the highest level I mean, is the best racing you can get, you know what I mean? Like down to the wire, um, close racing within inches and stuff. And I just think we've never had the exposure uh, with someone really trying to promote the sport without trying to promote like their series in their pockets. And, um, right. and I'm hoping, man, like these conversations, someone with a whole shitload of money or a whole lot of <laughs> leverage is going to step up, you know? And, uh, and maybe that's a combination of, of you and me and 20 other people, or maybe that's just one person. But, um, you know, I think us just having conversations and letting people listen, uh, is only going to help the sport, you know? Definitely. For so, sure. Uh, and we'll kind of get into a close man. And I want, first of all, I appreciate you, you know, sitting down with me on a Sunday evening. It's about 10 30. I know it's past my bedtime and uh, yeah, I gotta be at work at six. So uh, <laughs> I know, man, <laughs> Um, hey, one more quick thing I did kind of want to touch base on, just um, just out of curiosity. I saw uh, last week or a couple weeks ago you did. It was a um, like a little go kart benefit race, uh, like for cancer. Um, could you could you just tell me a little bit about that? I saw some pictures. I think of like you and maybe um, I, you know a couple other a guy. I think maybe like a guy uh, Jeremy that travels with uh, Knopf and stuff like that. Um, could you just tell me and like the people listening just kind of what that was about? So, um, Martin Truex, his wife, come down with uh, ovarian cancer, and she fought it a couple times and uh, actually beat it, So, which is awesome. Uh, yes. But they started this uh, charity deal to raise money for ovarian cancer, and I honestly didn't know anything about it until um, Kelly Earnhardt's, uh, who is my boss, her husband, LW, who is also my boss, uh, approached me and said, hey you're going to have to form a team for this deal. Um, you're on it. Uh, it's going to be you, Dale Jr., uh, Zane Smith, and uh, Jeb Burton. And I'm like, oh, great. You couldn't find anyone better to host this deal, could you? Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but it was all good and fun, man. I mean, we went up there. We had a blast. We practiced. We kind of made fun of each other the whole time of what they were doing wrong and um, you know, we had to do driver swaps and everything and, you know, all in all, it was, a, it was a really good time. And I feel like they raised a lot of money, um, for ovarian cancer and everything. I know that 
uh, Jeremy Morris, Kyle Brown, Kanov, Armstrong, they were on a team. And I think uh, uh, Hermie put a team together with Wyatt and Cash and Banker um, from the Premier Stable. So I, it was cool to see those guys there and everything and, uh, you know, to be a part of it. And just an awesome event. And like I said, I mean, to raise, raise money for that deal was, was pretty cool. That is, man. That was, that was cool. Uh, like I said, a lot of people were posting about it. And uh, it's good to see. I mean, I'm sure just like with every other sport, man, it's like we can all go out there and battle it out. Uh, but at the same time, we're all at the track for the same reason. You know, like we're all there for the love of the sport. And uh, and sometimes that tears us apart on the track. And sometimes <laughs> it brings us together off. You know what I mean? And uh, I don't think we'd have it any other way. You know what I mean? And, um, yeah, for yeah. sure. But um, and. So we're kind of coming to a close, man. As far as uh, anyone that wanted to get a hold of you on Facebook, they can find you at Alex Cuttingham. Um, there's Hammer Carts. And when I kind of post some stuff as far as uh, the podcast itself, you know, I'll, I'll tag you in it. So anyone that wants to get a hold of you, um, is there, are you on Instagram? Is there any other way? Uh, anything you want to say to someone that's trying to get a hold of you or maybe has questions on Burris or Hammer Carts or, uh, you know, just wants to shoot the shit with you, man? I don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I have Instagram. If they want to hit me up on there, that's fine. Um, or if they want to hit me up on Facebook, I know Hammer Carts, we have a Facebook with Hammer Carts. Uh, or you can hit me up personally at, you know, my Facebook, uh, Alex Cunningham. Um, and yeah, any questions about the carts, um, if you're interested in making a change to a different chassis and you want to know more about them, I'd be more than willing and happy to tell you all about us, uh, how the carts are and how we are um, and how we operate um, here over here. And um, as far as tire-wise goes, I mean, I've, I feel like I do a pretty nice cut, man. Uh, I've never really had anybody um, complain. Uh, you know, we've won several races and... You know, I think, I think uh, you know things are going pretty good. Um, heck, we just, I just made a few slight changes to uh, our flat cart chassis, and uh, we were, we actually wanted to just shake it down last uh, week at Boyd Speedway for that uh, big burst bash, and uh, we put it in the back of our minivan. We, me and the wife, got a little uh, minivan we we bought for a thousand bucks, and we kind of use it for hammer carts driving around picking up parts or whatever we threw that sucker in the back of there and a couple sets of tires and we went down there and won and uh you know and i think uh, we got a pretty good piece um when it comes to the burst tires and the hammer carts um and you know i i make prep for burris uh whether i use mine all the time or sometimes i use brody ridley's but <laughs> you know uh you know, we we do it all here. We try to keep everything in house, and we take pride in everything we do. So, you know, if anyone has any questions or any concerns, or they just want to shoot the shit, you know, hit me up. I'm I may not seem like the most approachable person at the racetrack, but man, just stop me, talk to me. I'll I'll sit there and listen and talk for hours. I mean, people know that know me. A lot they know that i'll talk your ear off and i'm very approachable so like i said if y'all got any questions any concerns feel free to hit me up good deal man well alex i uh i certainly enjoyed the conversation um you know for myself and anyone listening i mean i, I appreciate the fact that you were open and honest and uh i you know i'm sure this won't be the last time you know we talked a little bit of maybe um 
you know, like we'll do this, and I'm sure like there will be some more Burris questions. And uh, there's some guys you you kind of mentioned um, that run Burris a little more towards like the Ohio Tennessee type area. I definitely want to get on and um, and like I said, man, I, I hope that somehow um, you know our conversations help spark the thought for someone else, rather be a track owner, another racer, and uh, the. The reason that I haven't done any kind of sponsorships or anything is because I feel like everyone can come on here, promote their deal, and be positive, and it's only going to help everyone else that's been on here. You know, it doesn't matter if um, – there's no need to have to choose. There's enough people that if we get more people in the sport, they don't have to choose between, you know, you and Wesley and Fan. I mean, there's enough people to go around for everyone, and uh, right. I think that, you know, I'm hoping this kind of helps the sport. And, and you willing to come on here and other people um, – are only showing everyone else listening the reason that we all kind of love the sport. So uh, I appreciate your time. And uh, if there's anything else you'd like to pass on, man, feel free. Nah, I mean, I think we, we summed it up pretty good, man. I, I think you're doing a really good deal, man. Like it's, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I think you're reaching out to a lot of people that actually care about the carding world. Um, you know, and like I said, I listened to several of your podcasts, mainly, you know, really enjoyed the one with Jody and uh, Wesley and um, the one with Chris Harris. I mean, you know, even after listening to Chris Harris, I was like, damn, I need to start buying track tack, you know. But <laughs> I, think I think it's good, man. You know, it, it, it helps inform people. And I'm going to be honest with you, this past week, um, I was actually messaging all my customers. And not necessarily because... You know, I didn't even tell half of them that I was coming on the show, but I was like, hey, listen, I want you all to start listening to these podcasts while you're at work or whatever. And they're like, oh, well, what is it? And I'm like, just listen to it. So they started listening to it and they're like, man, you know, this is awesome. It's super informative and, you know, we love it. And I think it's a, you know, it's a real good deal you got going. Cool, man. I, I appreciate that. And, um, you know, it's it's always one of those things, man. Growing up around our Robinson Speed Shop back in the day, it's like I've always I always tell people, it's like you could go down there and there were just people talking and you could hear stuff and learn stuff if you wanted to. If you want to go down there and, and not care, then you you know you don't care. But uh, like I was I was the type of guy that um, you know, and I know like Bob Swarcycle gets a lot of like bad credit and stuff. But like back in the day when like Gabe Seventeen, aka Chris Gabehart, was posed like. Dude, I used to like copy and paste and make notebooks and study stuff. And I hope that uh, there's people like you and I, man, that are into it, that have bigger ideas and, and thought processes that are going to listen to this. And it's only going to improve like their future in racing, man. And I think that uh, everyone that comes on here has represented the sport well. And everyone has been knowledgeable, man. It's uh, it's only everyone together is going to improve the sport. And uh, and I think everyone that's come on here has done a great job, man. So, um, again, I appreciate it, and we'll talk to everybody next time. All right, brother. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I really enjoyed the podcast when we did it. Uh, we talked for a little bit before and after. Alex is a super nice guy, just like every other person we've talked to. If you see him at the track, whether you run his tires or it doesn't matter. You know, everyone on here has added value to your program if you listen to this in some way. So tell them thank you. It takes a lot to come on here. Uh, we don't really hurt. I mean, the questions are, it's really just a conversation. So uh, 
you know, it's a lot to take on, especially on a late night to uh, sit down and really try to give thoughtful answers. And, you know, these people are representing their companies in the sport. So, again, if you see them, tell them thank you. Send them a message on Facebook. Follow them on Instagram. doesn't matter. Just support them, and uh, we'll make this whole thing grow. Thank you.